0: You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
1: This is episode 242 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have Chris Morris from the UK, from that island over there, on building your confidence and your horses from the ground up. We also have two sisters who traveled from the Philippines to here in Solvang, California to learn better ways to train their horses and they're taking it back and they have an inspiring story. <music> This is Debbie Lauks and you're listening to Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me. Gracious Jen, how are you? Greetings, Debbie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I had so much fun with this um, episode, I have to tell you, <laughs> because we were, we've got Chris Morris here visiting and teaching from the UK and getting to know some of the interns here, catching up with dad. It's just been amazing. He's been an instructor, I think he says in the interview, 11 years now. And it feels like 140. It's, you know, it just feels like he's one of those one of the originals because I think it was that he took a lot of classes and moved around the world a lot before he actually became certified. And I kept hearing about him and he's an amazing horseman. So people are going to enjoy what he says, but I challenge him a little bit. He is very tall and we have a very small mini horse named Poppy, who's all white and looks like a unicorn, especially when you braid her forelock out straight, you know, (laughs) (laughs) for real unicorn. And, um, She does have a little, because of my friend Nellie, who's just the sweetest person on earth, she does have a cute little surcingle and some adorable short little lines. And we challenged Chris to teach us a little about the beginnings of the primer of ground driving so that someday we might be brave enough to pull a little cart or certainly um, learn from that manageable little horse that we have how to translate that from the ground up into the saddle. So he covers both of those topics, and we sat down with him and recorded that um, because what he did was made us giggle like crazy yesterday doing it, and then I wanted to hear what his concepts behind it were because you'll see that he does a lot of Exercises doing this that kind of take our brains into the right directions and the horse's brain in the right oh, direction. That's so that's interesting. Yeah, it was fun. Because
2: people, people, t- long lining is really gaining in popularity. And I'm glad to hear that Good. because it is such a useful tool. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad that he discusses the mental aspect of it for the uh, human. Mm-hmm. Because just like everything else we do with horses, your head needs to be in the right place to get the most out of it.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll love this. And I think it's just a scratch the surface kind of conversation too, that people will, you know, be drawn to what, what was that? I, you know, it sounds cool, but what does it look like? So, you know, podcasts, we, we're not visual here. We are all audio. So it it does take a little bit of, but you'll love the photo. So maybe you go to the website, horsemanshipradio.com and you can't miss this photo. It's, you know, Giggles wow. and hearts everywhere. Yeah. So pop, yeah. Poppy is stinking cute. Yes, yeah. is, is so cute. And and Chris is very tall. So that's
2: <laughs> just saying. I just thought it was the asp. I thought it was the angle that the picture was taken from. No. Because when I looked at it, I know how pop how small Poppy is. She's a mini. <laughs> and then I saw Chris walking behind her with the lines in his hand. I just thought that the picture was taken like with the camera on the ground perspective. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's really that
1: tall. He's <laughs> really is that tall. Yeah. yeah it's really neat. Yeah, so it's cute. Anyway, and then um, Alex and Vanessa, two sisters that are really living their legacy of their father, who was like, he actually has the legacy name of the father of therapy in the Philippines. And he used horses and animals long before anybody else did. So they're a fascinating couple of real good energy people that are doing great things in the Philippines, really f- forging new lines of communication between horses therapy and people. And um, and I, you know, they have just so much going on even outside of horses that people who are always trying to figure out how to make the living with the horses and, uh, you know, some of their, maybe their degrees, listen in because these girls are clever.
2: Well, before we get to our first guest, we always have a little chat about Hands-On Gloves because they are our title sponsor, after all. And you had mentioned something a little earlier about a mare you had there at the farm that could benefit from some new
1: techniques with the Hands-On Gloves. Yes, I loved you. We were talking about Hands-On Gloves being um, so clever. There's so many different things about them that we love. But the one thing this poor mare is always suffering from are the little drip drips off the belly when we wash her and she's such a sweetheart she really puts up with a lot but for her you can just tell it's like super ticklish like there was flies all over her belly and it's not just a little water drops you know but even after you scrape her off you know how the water creeps down under there and it drips a few more it drives her bananas and you told me about a video that showed a guy who had thrown a towel over his his dog in this case Uh, but you know before you put it back in the car, pu, <laughs> you, you get out a towel. But for those who you know want to really be able to grip the towel and really get a, a good job done of drying the dog or the horse in this case, and I could really reach under a belly by putting on my hands-on gloves, grabbing the towel, and you know I don't have to hold it very hard if I can scrub under her tummy with that towel and get those last little bits of moisture out of there so it doesn't bother her. All, we've all taken the towel
2: and we dry some part of the horse with the towel. Mm-hmm. Well, the towel dries the top of the hair. Right. Right? It it does, especially as their hair gets a little heavier in the wintertime. Yeah, here we are. It, it doesn't, it doesn't get down. in. it's like trying to wash your hand without using your hair,
1: without washing your, using your fingertips. It doesn't work. Exactly, Jen. That, that's a perfect analogy because I can't get in there, especially under the belly. You know, it's kind of loose skin. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's perfect. brilliant.
2: So, Washing your horse, give him a quick straight, scrape, and you've already got your hands on glove on anyway because you're yeah, anyway. using that to scrub your horse. Yep. We'll just grab the towel in your hand, give the tummy a rub, give the legs a rub, and what a great way to also get the legs and fetlocks and coronets mm-hmm. really, really dry because that's going to ward off scratches.
1: Yes, that's another thing that we can get here in the tall grasses. And she is a pasture horse, but uh, she's she's absolutely lovely. And she loves her spa days and loves her grooming, but she hates her little uh, drip drops. Uh, there we go. Tummy.
2: Yet <laughs> We're going to have to develop a pamphlet, 101 <sighs> useful
1: ways <gasps> exactly. that you can use your... I'm telling you, every time you get horse girls together and you talk about hands-on gloves, we come up with a new one almost every time every time. And you can find out more
2: at handsongloves.com or you can find them at your local retailer.
1: Chris Morris has always had a lifelong passion and fascination with the animal world. And after studying animal biology and physiology at the university, his interest in the Monty Roberts methods grew because it provided answers to questions of why horses behave the way they do, which Professional trainers he had come across were kind of unable to answer those questions in real science geeky terms. So he became a certified instructor in September 2012 and is now back in the UK and will be running courses in Monty's Concepts, including Join Up and Long Lining Clinics and Horsemanship 101 and the introductory course. So go take a course with Chris in the UK. All right. I'm sitting with Chris Morris, our certified instructor from the UK. Where are you in the UK?
3: I'm from just north of Brighton, so about 20 minutes south of London.
1: Very posh. Very <laughs> nice. In Sussex. In Sussex. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful area. We're fortunate to have you over here. You sat the exams, you facilitated the exams for us first for the introductory course. hmm Loved having you for that. Thank you. thank
3: right. you, for that. It's great to be back. have not been back since COVID, so it's my first yeah, trip back since then. The
1: before and after COVID. Yes. I'm so glad it's after. <laughs> uh, well, we're really pleased to have you. And then you taught the introductory course yep. now, the full introductory course. And we're kind of on wrap up. And you did something fun yesterday.
3: <laughs> I did do something fun. I was challenged to long line Poppy, the mini famous mini horse up flag. Um, on long lines, which is a bit of a challenge for anyone, but I'm six foot one. So it makes it even more <laughs> of a challenge. So
1: I have a very cool picture of you on your knees, on your yeah. knees with Bobby
3: in is front the, of you. It is the only way I could do it without hurting my back. <laughs> <So. laughs>
1: kind of makes sense. Other than the wet knees, it yeah, made it made fine. perfect sense. Yeah, but I wanted to have I thought it was such, Great little incremental tips that you were giving your class Mm -hmm. and your interns. We Mm -hmm. have Claudia Millman here as an intern. Uh, We've got Hollister Rosen has been here as an intern. We've got Claire here as an intern. So it was a great lesson, I think, for interns to see how well you teach. How long have you been teaching for Monty now?
3: Um, I've been an instructor now for 11 years.
1: Yeah. That's a long time in the whole scheme of our school here. So, you're one of our more experienced mm-hmm. instructors for sure. And you've been active completely teaching the whole time. Yeah. The whole time, yeah. That whole time,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. I
1: so, I thought this is too valuable to pass up. I'm going to stick a microphone in your face. <laughs> <laughs> but, t- take us a little bit through the whole prepping uh, for long lining and, and really what you're the concepts are about it, how you make us more comfortable as humans behind that horse and what you're trying to impart to the horse while imparting to humans.
3: Okay, well, I think um, long lining is, is the natural transition step from a horse that's used to being led and taking instructions from its head. Um, but then what a lot of horses go through is they, they have that done to them and then someone gets on their back and then they're ridden. And they're not really sure... Of what the cues actually mean. So this, the long lining step is a really great transition to use the long lines like you were using a set of reins. But the, the speed control from the horse, you're obviously still on the ground standing in the long lining or driving position behind. So the speed control is still up to you, like it is in a join up. Um, so you can then start to teach the horses basic Left-hand turns, right-hand turns, stops, and rainbacks um, to begin with. But there's there's really nothing that you can that you do in the saddle that you can't do on long lines. Perhaps maybe one of the western spins might get you into a bit of a trouble. But all of the all of the kind of lateral, you know, side passing, you can teach all of that to that horse on long lines on the ground first, so that when you then get in the saddle, there is the only the only new thing they're having to cope with is is the weight
4: mm-hmm. of
3: you on their back the right. kind of seed of the information of of listening to the cues is already in there okay. and what i like about long lining from a it helps the comfort confidence of the horse increase because they are out in front like they're going to be when they're ridden mm-hmm. and it but they you're still behind them kind of where they can look to you for kind of guidance. Um, so I like the shaping of the behaviors that you can get with long lining because you can do things like you can create a pattern in the round pen or the arena where you work so that the horse is familiar with the space, does the similar maneuvers in uh, each place in the space so that when you then get on them, you can repeat the pattern and... The, the cue that you're going to need gets lighter and lighter and lighter. Mm-hmm. But obviously to long line horses, you n- probably want to do a little bit of prep work first right. because you're going to have lines down their sides and potentially on the floor if you drop them. Mm-hmm. So we have to do, you've got to set your horse up for success. So you, I tend to spend a lot of time prepping my horses with leading them with lines on the floor. So they get used to the lines. Moving along as they move along, um, you can obviously do that one line at a time um, and switch sides. Okay. Um, they also, you might want to do a little bit, de- little bit of desensitisation with their blind spot. Mm. Uh, okay.
1: Um, How do you
3: do that? Um, you can. I tend to do it on, obviously, on the dooley and teach them to ground tie, mm-hmm. but. There's always a spare human being on a farm, so you just grab one of them and (laughs) start kind of doing passes in their blind spot as they're being given instructions. You can also do it when they're ground-tied, walk around them and spend longer and longer in their blind spot. I see. Um, And then your distraction that you use in their blind spot can get bigger and bigger, so they get more and more confident with things in their blind spot can't spook them especially if you're about to attach or want to attach that horse to a cart at some stage. Okay, right. You might want to do some desensitization work first.
1: Okay.
3: Um, And also getting someone used to driving on the long lines behind, that can be um, a bit daunting for someone who's not done it before. And the tendency is with a human is as that big horse moves out in front of you, everyone wants to grip the lines because they think the horse is going to, Bolt. Bolt. Okay. So if you grip up on those lines, you're Uh going to teach your horse to pull into pressure. Right. They're going to get heavier and heavier like they would do on the bridle and the bit. Right. So, and most of the horses I work with, if if you're asking them to move forward with your bubble on the ground and then you're gripping those lines too tightly, in the end, most of the horses are just going to speed up and you're going to create the bolt that you don't want in the first place. <laughs>
1: you've <laughs> like, taught them to bolt. Yeah, okay. you've
3: taught them to bolt. So what I think to help with the, a, a human who's never long-lined before to get used to it is to treat those lines as if they were reins and be as light as possible. That's good. Not a lot of heavy contact. But if you're worried about the horse doing anything, um, then you can have the spare human being up the front leading the horse Mm -hmm. um, and you can get used to moving that horse around on the lines and the horse has got the support of the human being at the front and if you've got a new horse that's never done this before and certainly with a human being who's never done it before you would always do this from a dually you certainly wouldn't attach the lines to the bit Right. In case anything goes wrong. Yeah. So
1: let's let's set up a little scenario here. Let's say that you've got a, a horseman that's been riding for twenty years and they're pretty experienced, they're pretty confident about everything going on. They even know the horse a bit and so but they go like, wouldn't that be fun if I could ground drive my horse, mm-hmm. do a little bit through obstacles, maybe take it over the mountain trail, something mm-hmm. like that. So what environment do we start in and what do you suggest?
3: Um, you can start doing this kind of stuff in a, you know, a nice, secure, safe environment like a round pen or arena. Mm-hmm. If it's on your property and the horse is used to it, then do it in the place where you usually work them. Okay. Um, you can, I think, doing having simple obstacles out in the arena helps both the human and the horse, because you've got something to aim for. Mm -hmm. So, And also, when you give the instruction to the horse to turn left or turn right, it kind of makes sense for the horse because they can associate it with the obstacle on the floor. I find if you do things like that in an empty space, the problem you're going to get into is the horse can't see any reason for the Uh hard right turn... So they tend to get a bit more resistant and just want to follow the straight line of the fence. Sure. So having lots of obstacles to help you practice.
1: Cones.
3: Cones. You can have. Yeah, cavalettes. You can can go over, obviously, simple poles. Cone work. If your horse is okay with spooky things, you can use tarps. What I also like to create as well is if you have a mountain block in there, Mm. if you make the mountain block the actual place where you stop and woe your horse. Oh. You're actually releasing the pressure
1: that's good. <laughs> and
3: creating a stop point and the behavior of standing still next to the mountain block. Good. So that can then help with mountain block problems. Right. Um,
1: spatially, that's a nice it's a spatial period thing. too. Yeah.
3: Um, and you can also use it if, if you've got horses that aren't so good at the mountain block and have your spare human standing on the mountain block. Mm-hmm. So you can start to recreate what a mountain block Looks like for the horse, but the horse is associating it with standstill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is obviously the behavior you need for a horse to. Th-
1: it's an imperative.
3: It is an imperative. <laughs> but a lot of horses I work with don't know, know that, which kind of starts the problems off. Yeah. Um, what you can then do for increase of confidence for the, for the human that's doing the long lining, if you've got your helper up the front, is to increase the confidence of the horse and the person long lining is you can do these concentric circles away from each other. So you can cue your horse to the right as the helper human goes to the left. And by the time both turn around, before anything happens, the horse has got that helper human back in sight. Nice. And then what I tend to do is make the concentric circles bigger and bigger and loopier and loopier. Mm-hmm. So the horse spends more and more time kind of out there by itself Mm -hmm. but the reward of getting back to the human Mm -hmm. is is still the same
1: so what that looked like yesterday was kind of cool we're in a round pen 50 Mm -hmm. feet across and you told us to cut the circle in half so Mm -hmm. we walked um person at the head of the horse person behind driving walked and then split off at the wall yeah so the horse had the wall to
3: to help and guide them to around guide them the corner, back
1: around to meet up at the other side, mm-hmm. and then yeah,
3: and then go. Which is cool. It was cool. So you can kind of one of you goes one way, one of you goes the other, mm-hmm. but the horse obviously is going to have the natural tendency to follow the human, but then kind of gets used to the instruction from the long line. Mm-hmm. And by the time they then turn around, there's the human back again. Mm-hmm. And then what you can do is start doing. Turns that are completely independent of of the helper human, so they get more and more used to kind of going. Actually, I just need to follow the instructions the, the from lines. the lines. Yeah, the lines. Um, and once that kind of that helps the the trainer or the the person behind get confident with. Mm-hmm oh, I can, The you know, the, the the control that I have on the lines is exactly the same as I have in the saddle, mm-hmm. which obviously then starts helping with the confidence.
1: Right, I love that. And I love the Dooley Halter for that, to have the two rings as yep. a side pull, essentially, it is right? Side
3: pull. It's a natural. It's a natural piece of equipment you would use because you've got the rings on both sides, mm-hmm. and it's it's behaving like a, a bitless bridle.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, which it is when you get back up in the saddle. But mm-hmm. So you've got your 30-foot lines, mm-hmm. So um, how awkward is that for, for somebody who's not done any kind of long lining before?
3: It can be, it can be, very, it can be very awkward, but I, what I tend to do when I, I teach it is kind of, if you just without even thinking about it, pick up both lines however your hands want to pick up those both lines. And in the beginning, it can help to have one line in your left, one hand in your right and figure out what that feels like. Um the hard thing with longlining is, and every human beings do it, is that you've obviously got to keep the lines off the floor mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the horse doesn't step on them. But what tends to happen with a human being longlining is that they want to creep closer to the horse because the brain thinks, mm-hmm. the horse is out in front of me, I haven't got any control, and gradually you start creeping forward. So what I see people do is... As as the slack hits the floor, which is the cue that you're getting closer, the human doesn't think they're getting closer. So what they start to do is to feed and almost walk their way up the lines and get closer and closer. And it's only until you realize you're very close to the kick zone that you're aware that you're way too close. Mm -hmm. So I think to start off with, to give you a bit of a good guide of how close you're getting, is I just use a piece of colored duct tape and kind of go, well, that's the visual cue of I'm not allowed any further up the lines than that. And just get used to holding those lines and not doing anything. The more you fiddle, the worse it gets. So you just have to find a way of supporting those lines off the floor, keep the, the slack even on both lines, so that you've got your spare hand, ideally, to cue the turn, so that the information to the line, to the horse's head... Is consistent um, and also when you're doing speed control to use your body to get the effect mm-hmm. if you use the lines and shake them a lot the risk is if you're not good with your line work is that all of those kind of ricochet ripples up the line go to the horse's head mm-hmm. and then the horse is having to s- decide what does that mean Which then can add to the... Yeah, what is that? Speed
1: up, whatever. Um,
3: So if you're very good with your rope work, you can use the lines to have an effect on speed, but you have to make sure that those ripples and ricochets up the lines disappear by the time... Mm
1: -hmm. What's the best way to indicate speed to the horse?
3: Um, If you're in the driving position, I call it the bubble. So you have your bubble that is projecting your intent so if your eyes on eyes and shoulders square and your intent of your movement says walk Mm -hmm. they will walk Mm -hmm. um when you get very brave you can then do the same thing at trot Mm -hmm. um and canter Mm -hmm. in the round pen
1: (laughs) you're saying body language though is what you're doing yeah
3: is your like just with it just like with join up is, is the intent of your body language or your intent of your bubble that is driving those horses forward. It's the lines that are being used for turning and stopping cues.
1: Okay. So you're hum- you've prepped the human, you've prepped the horse at this point, um, and you've talked about patterns. Uh, you talked about using obstacles and patterns and everything. What are the biggest obstacles between the ears of the human that keep people from doing this? Because it sounds like so much fun.
3: It is a lot of fun. I think it's just it's uh, it's a very human thing to want to be closer to the horse because we think the closer we are, the more control we have. Ah. So if you're fifteen, twenty foot behind the horse, mm-hmm. everyone thinks you're not in control of that horse. Mm-hmm. But as we know with horses, the further you are away. The more influence you have on their movement and the softer they will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everyone should try it. I think every horse should know how to long line. Every owner should know how to long line because not only does it help with all of the riding prep work confidence building and all of that kind of things but it's also a way of keeping horses that are coming back into work after an injury and can't be ridden yet it's a way of keeping their brain active Mm -hmm. there's no reason why if your horse is not really good on long lines that you could go out on the mountain trail (laughs) It's
0: true, (laughs) Um,
3: and lead them around the pastures and paddocks you can also do anything you do with leading your horses I've I've done it where you can get your horses so confident on the lines that you can load them in the trailers on long lines. Yeah, that's nice. Just as a, you know, it's just as an exercise. Mm -hmm. There's lots of complicated things you can do. Mm -hmm. And from the horse's perspective, if you're clear and concise with your cues on the Dooley Halter, there should be no difference to if you're leading it up the front, long lining it from behind or riding it. I don't want my horses to think that there's any difference In those exercises,
1: beautiful. That's great. So I'm hearing, come take a long lining course yeah, from I mean, Chris. I mean, long lining is one of my
3: favorite
1: things. <laughs> it is. I know it's a it's a great thing, and I think it's it's kind of a lost art. I think when Dad was growing up, he said a lot of people did ground driving, it was it was a thing. Yeah. I guess it comes out of the agricultural world if you think
3: yeah. about it. We are, like, At home in the UK, you, you know, agricultural horses, yes. Um, the only time you really see it now is it's used a lot with the racehorses. Mm-hmm. If you live in a racehorse town, they tend to long line the horses to the gallops if, if they're the youngsters. So you still see it, but it's definitely not as in use as it was.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, but you can see how if that's the basis of, well, what this horse is going to need to know, and if you're interested in cart work, you can then start doing things like I tend to use pool noodles and kind of create the basic skeleton and feel of what the cart hookups are going to feel like. But you're still long lining. Good. But the horses then get used to, well, actually, I've got a bit of a pole down this side and I can't move my flank as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. So it's all this kind of prep work. Before you get in the cart. That
1: is interesting. So that's the
3: shafts that they call it. Yeah. You can use pool noodles are one of my favorite things. You can make anything out of a pool pool noodle. noodle. So I tend to make the shafts, you know, so to get them used to that feel of stuff on their flanks, you can even get to the stage where you run the long lines through the shafts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, to do all sorts of stuff. And then you could then whilst you're long lining, you could, and I've done it with my horse, we get, I got a piece of plastic. Ditch pipe mm-hmm. and actually use that for her to drag. So she got used to dragging something in her blind spot, it making a noise, which probably is a bit of a safer, easier version than the cartwheels. Right. So you can get them all used to that kind of stuff and think what they're going to have to put up with with cart work and go, well, what can I make? And Safely do to this horse to get them used to those things. You can do he has a
1: mischievous that. look in his eye right yeah. now, so
3: <laughs> <laughs> I like all that kind of stuff because it helps the horse realize that yeah. it, just to listen to the cues on the lines and it builds their confidence. Rather than attach it to a cart and then go, oh, my horse doesn't like the noise or the feel mm-hmm. or the weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do all sorts of stuff with long running.
1: Very cool. So you've obviously had a little pony in a cart before.
3: (laughs) I have had a little pony in the cart. Claire, who's the intern here at the moment, she does a lot of cart work with her cart horse bow. Um so she is the lady to speak to about carts.
4: Ah
1: we'll have to talk to Claire next. Well thank you. Thank you for all these tips. It was really fun. No you imparted it to us yesterday live and in color and it was great. <laughs> on my knees. Um yeah on your <laughs> knees. You can even do it on your knees. Look at that. Um but now um now I I challenge people to take up some long lining if nothing else. Get get your long lining done and come take a course. It's Definitely. it's a really fun part of Being a good horseman. Mm
5: -hmm, Definitely.
1: Thanks, Chris Morris, for being on Horsemanship Radio.
5: Thank you. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forums, And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com.
1: Alex and Vanessa Vandervoort called their school Van Alex stables and currently offer intro to riding courses and trail riding. All of their horses are native ponies of the Philippines. As an educator for the past 22 years, Vanessa believes that any child or a learner is capable, given the right foundation and the proper tools to make it that. They enrolled in the Monty Roberts course to be able to learn more about the language of better communication between horse and rider. Happy, healthy horses are better horses. The nonviolent way of Monty is aligned with what they believe in as many of their horses that come to them have been mistreated or abused in the past. Well, welcome. I'm so excited to be sitting here today. Flag is at Farms. We're in the midst of a join-up class. It's the Module 2, and I've got two beautiful ladies, um, and they happen to be from the Philippines, but they're like every other horse girl that we talk to here. They love horses, and they're gushing right now, I think, a little bit because... They just um, have finished, or at least one of you has just finished. I'm Both of, of you just finished your join-ups this mm-hmm. morning. So I want to hear about Rocky and some of that. I know I just heard talking a little bit about Rocky.
0: But I, I but I want to get back
1: into your history. First of all, give us your names.
0: Yeah, so I'm
4: Vanessa Guerin-Vandervoord. Uh,
0: and I'm Alexandra, but just Alex- Alex, um, Garen Maniosa. All right. Very good. Okay, good. We got a little
1: of the Filipinos yeah. in there. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. I'm glad. Um, I'm happy to have them sitting here with me because I want to hear a little bit about their horsemanship journey, as we like to hear their horsey background. And, and then we're going to get into a little bit about why they're here, mm-hmm. but they have a fascinating history. It isn't just horse girls, uh, talking here, although that's always fun too, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit about how, um, I'm, pleased with their journey to take it home to their horse groups. It doesn't matter if it's a country or if it's a community, I'm happy that they're journeyed all the way here to take things back to their horses. Let's start with you, Vanessa. Sure. It, is <laughs> is it, is it a complicated question to say, You know, how did you start with horses and Mm. and how are you still with horses?
4: Yeah, so we're very blessed that we can do this journey together because we're only two girls and our father brought us up. He's an American, by the way, Um, born in New Hampshire, but came to the Philippines in the 1970s and loved the country, Um, met my mom. and. Uh, growing up, he always brought us up to be like, you can do anything a man can do, and you can do it even better. So we always wanted to do things that were not the traditional way of doing things. And so horses were one of our loves. And we always wanted to have a horse, but we lived in the suburbs. And he's like, where are we going to put the horse? And so the moment my parents acquired property out in the countryside, and so we got our first Horse. So uh, we were teenagers back then, and my dad also found a way for the horses to be able to teach us responsibility. So he's like, "You're going to have horses, but you do everything for that horse. You take care of it. If it has any medical emergencies, you be the one to contact the vet." Um, so that was a good way of him teaching us what it was like, you know, to handle live animals that needed love and care and attention. And then from that time on, um, we had a little herd, um, then we got older, we we would ride with our grooms out in the fields, out through the country. Um, we always used our horses even back then to do good because we had a ranch and our parents always felt that this is just not for us. If we are blessed, we have the responsibility to give back. And so our horses would be part of our summer camp where we would use them um, to give joy to the less fortunate children around us around our ranch and so as we got older particularly during the pandemic when a lot of horsemen were selling their horses because no one was riding everyone was indoors Racehorses, yeah were the racetracks were closed too at the time so all of the racehorses as well were like
0: being sold just for yeah all the other horses yeah. and so
4: we found ourselves buying some of these horses that were out of a job. so right. um, and so we ended up um, having another herd, a new herd, the herd we have now. So we have seventeen horses back home. And we basically found ourselves um, not just wanting to be with them, but wanting to learn more about how do we give them a better life., mm. uh, because when we were younger, we didn't know much. All we knew was, just ride them. We learned English riding. um, Even until only recently, we were using English saddles to do (laughs) trails and all. But then we found ourselves um, learning more about their behavior, um, seeing them more as like they're not just our horses. After a while, we just leave them. That's it. No, we found ourselves really wanting to develop a deeper relationship with them and learning and identifying their different personalities. Did you guys both talk about this? It sounds like you kind of conspired uh, well, to figure th- that out.
0: I think it's important to note um, that the first horses we ever bought, we didn't know it at the time. Yes. Um, so most of our horses are Philippine um, ponies that are like a mix of... From what I understand, at least, um, in terms of DNA, like they're a mix of like the Spanish and Mongolian horses because of uh, the colonizing of the Philippines by the Spanish for over 300 years. Um, But we've always had those Philippine ponies um, ever since. And the very first horses that we bought, we didn't know it at the time, but we were buying them from the slaughter. An auction place. So it was an auction place, and we didn't know because we were so young at the time, Mm -hmm. but when we got older, we realized that the place that we bought them from was actually a really famous auction place where they they buy horses for slaughter. And so we realized then that these horses, if we didn't buy them, they would be slaughtered. Um, But these horses actually turned out to be really... um, important parts of our childhood growing up and 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 that we realized at the time and now when we were doing the course we kind of understand like some of the quirks that you get from horses that you do rescue Mm -hmm. and so I think some of that like is making sense now Mm -hmm. as we do the course like we kind of understood it um and so you know just we felt like the original herd was like all of these horses that were from the slaughter, and you kind of could tell at the time because you got all the personalities of rescue horses. And then when the pandemic happened, um, most of the herd had already passed away from old age. And Except there was one, just one, she's still
4: alive. Her name is Beauty. She's thirty three years old, and she's blind in both eyes, but she is still very strong and happy. And yeah. you told me that she actually teaches the younger yes. one. Yeah, she has a role, so she. We don't ride her anymore, but she's the one who whenever we separate the little ones from their mom, she's the one who teaches them manners and is not an (laughs) enabler like their own moms. Yeah, so she has a purpose, which we truly love about her. But yeah, so during the pandemic, we started to have horses. We even built our own stable extension, which we decided to call the Vanaleck Stable, our two names put together because we're like, we're only two kids. We don't have other siblings. So that's one thing our dad and mom brought us up. Like you don't have any other siblings, just the two of you. So you do things together. Mm-hmm. And that's how we always felt our horse journey. We do it together. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and so we said, this is one thing we enjoy. We have our day jobs. I'm an educator. My sister is a, a psychologist and we're like, we need an outlet. And what best way then with our horses when we have to train our state of mind to be peaceful and in tune. And so, We said, we have these horses, and then our community started to grow. People started asking us, what do you do with these native ponies? So when they come to you, they are usually very thin. They have attitude. But after some time with you, they suddenly blossom and bloom. And we told them... We give them the right nutrition, the proper care, the right handling. We do not, we're not violent with them. We try to teach them the ways of nonviolence as well in our own understanding. And of course, we were trained in, you know, English riding and many other ways. So we said, how do we learn more? How do we fine tune what we really desire mm-hmm. for our horses? And so, my sister, being the more adventurous one, the younger one, said, you know, why don't we try and enroll with Monty Roberts? And and actually, um, I think we, we got here because
0: we had the traditional um, upbringing with horses, which mm. was the English way. Um, and I, I guess I think just as where you go in general everywhere in the world, a lot of what we've seen um, in terms of horses is um, just... I guess the crops, the whips and all of that. Um, and for me, I thought for a long time that that was the way that you gain the cooperation of the horse because that's, that's, that's always the way that we observe. That's, that's what we see most commonly. Um, and I think what really shifted for me, um, in my work in addictions with trauma and everything, um, you kind of become like really saturated with, you know, the journeys of your clients yeah. um, um on you know whether it's physical abuse or sexual abuse or just trauma in general and you're acutely aware you know that when you're with a horse you're either you're playing a certain role and I just like it got to a point where when we were watching and learning different ways and And it just felt, I felt really uncomfortable with having a whip in my hands. Um, But I felt like at the time there was nothing else that I knew. There was no other option because this is the way that, you know, was taught to me or this is the way that we would see most commonly. But I felt like, like, you know, I'd get comments like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta... um, hit the whip like you mean it. Like you, 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 you're you not getting the cooperation that you are supposed to get because mm-hmm. the horse knows you don't mean to hit them. Yeah. And so just being on the receiving end of that feedback is is it for me as a person. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, we all have different journeys and I think there are a lot of people that are completely fine with that and that's okay. But for me as an individual, gotcha. I wasn't okay with it. And so then I went down the rabbit hole of mm-hmm. the research and you know there must be like because then you know you see like liberty and and stuff like sure. that like different forms of like non-violence that are supposedly like more on a cooperation type of thing with a horse and so um then I, I stumbled on on Monty's videos mm-hmm. and then I was like wow like well that's interesting
1: what um if you could make it's just Alex's world here now, if you would define the difference between Liberty and Monty?
0: I don't know, because I don't have a lot of experience with Liberty. But from what I see um, in Monty's world, I guess, that I'm starting to understand now that the method is like, it's this language that I'm, I don't know if they do it in Liberty because I haven't had much experience. Believe me, I tried (laughs) and I didn't get much success there because I probably didn't know what I was doing. But um, for me, the difference was I wasn't holding anything in my hands um, that could cause pain, I guess. Um, And, and my being was very peaceful with that. Like I'm okay holding like the lines, right. (laughs) But um, I just, I couldn't hold something that I know had a pain memory for a horse. That's just,
4: th- that's for me, like now understanding the course. And I think that's the beauty of the program. It's all of a sudden you become so conscious that everything about your body communicates to the horse. And as riders, oftentimes... We are so careless with, you know, how, how we're not even conscious that what we're doing is sending the wrong message to the horse and that we blame the horse. Why is this horse a bad horse? Well, it was because of, you know, the cues or the movements we gave the horse. So actually, I mean, we're, this is our last day of, of the course. We've taken module one and two, but it really gives me a whole bigger perspective and a whole lot of respect for this magnificent creature who, I mean, why do I want a horse? Because of what that horse does to me. Why do I love my, my lady, the horse who has a callus on her back, who was used to, um, carry big logs of, uh, yeah, lumber down the mountain. And now she's living her best life, right? So that's priceless. It is. Of what the horse can give you. So I feel we as humans owe it to the horse to give them. Back that. Oh, I think so. They did a lot
1: for us yes. and, and it's crazy that they do. Right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Why does a you know, why does a flight animal let a carnivore sit on their back? I don't get
0: it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the biggest aha moment for me was um, I think it was day three of module one um, when when Chris did a, a demonstration on longlining and he was he was teaching last the horse what to do and I just was shell-shocked, like, (laughs) the whole time because I was watching her and she was learning to side-pass for the first time. And he said he never, he had never side-passed her before. But she wasn't stressed out. She was completely relaxed. She was paying attention. And it's like, I just realized that all this time... When you want a horse to pay attention to you, yes. the definition of that from where I've learned it is that they're in a highly hypervigilant state and kind of anxious and stressed because they don't know what's going to come next. And I didn't realize that 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 you could train a horse and she was not sweating. She was just head lowered. She was good. She was following and that was, like, to me, like, that was the biggest, like, moment for me. Um, of course, learning now was mm. incredible as well. But that started to me, like, the, the opening in this course, these two courses, to, to realize that, that the teaching of the horse happens best in that state in that state
4: and that's really what we want to bring back home to our community well we want to practice of course we can't wait to practice on our own horses and as soon as we do that for them we want to share that to the rest of our horse community back in the philippines that Even me as a teacher, I want my students to learn in a state wherein they feel they are growing. They they don't they're not scared of me. Yes, Yes. exactly. My human students, that's right. And same thing for the horse. I mean, learning is always best when it's really a partnership between both. Right. So that those are some of our best takeaways from our time here so far. I think if if only we treated humans the same way, (laughs) there would be less conflict, less war. And that's just in a way the language of what we're learning here. And that's the beauty of it all. Perfect. Thank you
1: so much for being here. Thank you for coming here and coming (laughs) so far to learn from us. And thank you for taking those concepts back to your life, Mm -hmm. your work and your horses appreciate you being on horsemanship radio
4: thank you for having us whisper the language of the herd listen you don't have to say a word
2: it's time for jamie jennings to fetch an email from monty robert's inbox and share a morsel of monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call ask monty
0: leave this world a better
5: place than Magic in the language of- Dear Monty, what do you think about children using whips? My daughter, who is eight, abandoned the ponies and rides big horses now. She is quite small for her age, and when she's sitting in the saddle, her feet hardly touch the horse's body. In the school where she rides, she is asked to carry and use a whip in order to make the horse react when she cannot use her legs and feet. I don't always agree with that method because the horse can have a negative reaction. What is worse is that she takes the whip as a toy sometime and even whips her Barbie horses when playing. As you say, the whip can do more harm than good. So what is the alternative? Monty's answer. Trust is the critical foundation for communicating in the language of the horse I call Equus. Without trust, the flight animal cannot become a willing partner. I recommend that you provide this young child with a soft giddy-up, which is made from cotton fibers braided into a thick rope. At one end is a tassel, and the other a loop that fits over the wrist. The rope can be swung in an arc across the horse in front of the rider, meeting the horse just behind the rider's legs. Due to the nature of the material and the type of braiding, the rope cannot cause pain. The rider should swing the giddy-up rope left and right, across the midline of the horse in a rapid back-and-forth motion. With blinkers in place, the rider should be patient and continue this motion, increasing in intensity while waiting for the horse to take any free steps forward. The rider should be diligent and watch for a positive response. The instant forward motion is achieved, the rider should cease to swing the giddy-up rope and stroke the neck of the horse in congratulation. The rider might use clucking or chirping sounds during the use of the giddy-up rope to add to its effectiveness. By sending both visual and auditory cues, you are likely to achieve the desired result. It is extremely important for any horseman to be reasonable in his demands where workload is concerned. You must never demand from a horse to the extent that you discourage his generosity. There is virtually no way to clearly outline here what is reasonable or unreasonable. It is, however, important that the horse owners seek advice of professionals about the extent of the workload. There are horses who can handle a heavy workload, and then there are those who are a great deal more fragile. We must be diligent to watch for the signs of discontent when making demands on the energy reserves of our horses. Almost every balker that I'm asked to work with turns out to be a horse that resists backing up. For some reason, many horsemen seem to think that schooling a horse to back up will cause them to be a balker. Nothing could be further from the truth.
1: For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the
0: page. Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. And October is Almost over. So we're finishing up the introductory course module four and moving straight into a horse sense and healing for our veterans and first responders. Go to our website, montyroberts.com, and look for the programs there. That's our outreach programs. Then November 11, we have a mountain trail play day. November 13 through 21, we have advanced exams coming up. Those people are already chosen. And then we have November 27 through December 15th, an advanced course. Then December 2023, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day on the 9th. January 8th through 12th, we have Gently Wild Horse Course. That's five days long. Then January 20, we have a Mountain Trail Play Day. January 27, we have a Horsemanship 101. Grab those spots because those fill fast. Then February, we have February 5 through 9, Monty Special Training. Those are always fun. And you can find all of
2: that and more. At
1: MontyRoberts.com.
2: You can also find this podcast there, by the way. So it's a one-stop shop. Monty's calendar and other important information can be found by calling Flag Is Up Farms at 805-688-6288. And if you go to MontyRoberts.com, the phone number's
1: there, too. Yeah, and we only, you know, we have MontyRoberts.com, but also look for on that, the tab of online learning, because we do have MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And that is our online learning system, too, that people all over the world, even if you can't get to solving, it might inspire you to get to solving, actually, if you start with those videos <laughs> yeah. online. Yeah, well, you
2: know, we're heading yeah. towards winter now, mm-hmm. and you need to get your horsey fix. And yeah, in California. Mm. It it's a great way to, using the university is a great way to get your horsey fix because there's so many things in there that you can do when oh you're gosh. stuck in the indoor arena, when it's muddy, when the weather sucks. There's so many exercises and learning opportunities that you can find because the online university is, it's videos, mm-hmm. uh, but they're searchable. Yes. So you can go in there and you can type in keywords that you're you're wondering about. Oh, I wonder about long or Oh, yeah. I wonder <laughs> about uh, trailer loading. Oh, I wonder about ground poles. Type that into the search bar and you can find videos that address those things. So it's going to be a really handy tool over the winter months to help you and your horse stay busy and keep that learning curve from getting too steep come springtime. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Can't all do it in April. Doesn't
2: work that okay. way. <laughs> Can't do it in April. And you can find out all of that and more at horsemanshipradio.com where you're going to find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. Hit us up on social media. Yes, we have social media for Flag Is Up Farms, com. all those. Just go to Facebook, Monty Roberts, the one with the little blue check mark. And on both Twitter and Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. Underscore is that little dash that's at the bottom. Yeah, it's sunk.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and many thanks to our sponsors, too. We love Jay Michelson and his team over at Hands On Gloves. We really appreciate it. And check out that photo on our website, horsemanshipradio.com, for this episode. You might see my hands covered in those. Be- I wear those gloves for everything, not just grooming. I did it for long lining. How about that? And then also com. That's what we talked about. That was our original being for this podcast and be sure to visit all the other great shows the growing number of shows at the horse radio network at www.horseradionetwork.com until next time have many happy horse hours